0: So may these words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord. My rock and my redeemer, our rock and our redeemer. When our confidence is shaken in beliefs we thought secure, our faith must die and come full circle to the source of God alone. To a seeker of the faith, I think the work is never done. But God is constant and understanding and changes continually, but is always the same. So I wanted to tell you about Miss Lee. Last week um, I was out and I met a, a lassie who doesn't go to church. But when she was little, she used to go to a, a house in Skipton where a lady, an old lady, had a class for young people in her bedroom, and it was Miss Lee. And when we came to Skipton 50 years ago, or thereabouts, the, the house corner to corner from us was Miss Lee's house just over the, over the, the hedge. People have all loved Miss Lee, retired missionary lady, lovely lady. And she taught this little girl a, a faith that is the basis of a faith that could last on into eternity. For me, <clears throat> she led me to a Jesuit deep thinker whose name I never know how to say, Taliard de Chardin. Does anybody know Talliard de Chardin? Hands up, Talliard de Chardin people. Oh well, so did I get it right? I don't know, we don't know. But the thing about it was that he was a Jesuit who <clears throat> worked at his understanding of God and his understanding of science all together. He was lots of different scientists in his life. And it was a good thing that he worked in China because the Vatican didn't really approve of him much. But he lived in China, and he worked as a (coughs) paleontologist and an archaeologist. And he worked on Pekin Man. Pekin Man was a fossil of a human or a humanoid 500 million years old. Imagine that. So there were humans or human pre definitely 500 million years ago and someone said about Taliyad that he was one of the first scientists to realize that the human and the universe are inseparable the only universe we know about is a universe that brought forth the human and the human can try to understand it and we all struggle at understanding anything at least i struggle at understanding most things but when we try to look to the bible to understand god taliard said that we should also look into the deepest recesses of human knowledge of human scientific knowledge any sort of knowledge it's all part of the mix and the bible On the one hand, is a a collection of stories and poetry. And on the other hand, it's this sermon. It's a collection of stories and poetry. And even if you don't like poetry, I think you can run with the, the flow and listen to the story and use your imagination. You must read the Bible with imagination Read it and digest it. I like the um, American Indian creation story, or at least the teller of it. It goes that the there's an American Indian um, storyteller who was telling the creation story of his tribe, and he said, "I don't know if this story happened." exactly as i tell it but i know it's true and that's how the bible seems to me that maybe it didn't happen exactly as it was said but it's true it's got truth for us and in the methodist um, catechism it says this the bible is the record of god's self-revelation supremely in jesus christ and is a means through which he still reveals himself by the Holy Spirit that's what the Bible is it's a revelation of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to us so when I was preparing all this uh, I was thinking about uh, the meaning of life and and I remembered uh, uh, desert island disc program I heard a week or two ago I don't know if anybody heard um, Carlos Frank's does anyone hear Carlos Frank's of Durham Desert Island Disc well you missed yourself he's a he was a he is one of the original people who studied the universe a cosmologist and he's at the cutting edge of the world and he lives and works in Durham of all places And what he said was that he doesn't do God in his research. And his research is remarkable. He's somebody who puts uh, an equation to a computer and asks the computer to work out the answer. And a year later they come back to see if the answer's there or not. Some research. And he said that All the rules of physics that work in his laboratory work exactly the same to the furthest ends of the furthest ends of the universe so he reckons that God must be a physicist and I think he's dead right because God seemed to have control of the whole thing and to me the revelations that are happening all the time in science I feel are God-given did you know that lichens have changed completely this year did you know lichens used to be a fungus and an alga then last year somebody found a second fungus and now it's all changed and I reckon that that's a revelation that God has given lichenologists which I feel is extremely important just as any revelation in the Bible. So, as I thought about it, I find more and more in the Old Testament when I hear about what scientists are doing around the world, and it gives a, an, an amazing feeling of um, ah when you read a bit from the Old Testament. I've chosen. A little bit of Psalm 119. And this is written by um, a, a man who knew nothing about particle physics. He didn't know about the universe. He didn't know that the world was the, the Earth was a, a sphere. He just thought it was all flat, like half some of the people that still walk about the streets tell us. But this man wrote, <clears throat> "Your word is everlasting, Lord." It is firmly fixed in heaven your faithfulness endures for all generations and the earth which you have established stands firm even to this day your decrees stand fast for all things serve you and I see that all things have an end but your commandment has no end no limit So, to summarize what I've been saying so far, and there is more to come. God is love. We sang about it. Everything in the universe fits together from the subatomic particles to the far ends of this galaxy and every other galaxy. God is here, in here, with us and around us. God created everything in the universe. And reveals himself a little to us, bit by bit. And has done ever since the Bible writers wrote it in the Bible. And scientists do it all the time. Revealing a little bit of God's work. So if we look at the readings for today, and thank you again, readers, for doing them so well for us. Amos had a dream. Amos was a spirit man and he had a dream when he saw a man standing by a wall built with the help of a plumb line a perfect piece of brickwork and he said and the man said he had a plumb line in his hand and God asked him this man asked Amos what do you see Amos and Amos said a plumb line And God said, I'm setting a plumb line in the middle of my people, Israel. Never again will I pardon them. I've put the line, I've made the mark, and that's it. The shrines of Isaac have been desecrated and the sanctuaries of the northern land, Israel laid to waste. With a sword in my hand, I'll come and get them. And Amaziah, the priest of Jeroboam, who was in charge at the time, told the king, the bad king Jeroboam, he cried to the king, Amos has plotted against you in the heart of your land. The country cannot tolerate it. He's saying that Jeroboam will die by the sword and the Israelites will be deported. Now that's what Amos said. That was the message of Amos. That's what he was saying. The Assyrians are coming to get you, he said. Amaziah told Amos, get out of here. Go to your own people and do your prophesying prophesying where you belong in Judah. But don't prophesy against Bethel because that's the king of King Jeroboam's place. And Amos said, I was no prophet. I was just, I wasn't a prophet's son even. I was just a a herdsman and a fig grower and the Lord took me as I was and said go and prophesy to my people in Israel and that's what I'm doing he was a southerner and we know we all hate southerners and he prophesied to the northern kingdom what cheek so here was a prophet talking to a false prophet The message of Amos was the same message as there is in every prophet in the whole Bible. It's all the same. It's a social message. He was a social prophet, and he was talking to this false prophet. And the social message was about looking after the weak and those who had no status, no power, and then to live humbly and to obey God's commands. So that's the message, to live humbly and obey God's commands. The message of Jesus, the message of Amos. And in John 2, the second letter of John, uh, John writes, I ask that we love one another. What love means is to live according to the commands of God. This is the command that was given to you from the beginning by to be your rule of life so the message of Amos was a similar message it was to a very bad king and his prophet and they didn't like it they said go home filthy filthy Amos but Amos was a spirit person in the way I've been saying very strong experience of God came to him and told him what was going on, what was happening. He could get the insight. And the Bible's full of stories about spirit people who felt that the presence of God was right there beside them, in them, in the same room. And although we can accept that God is here, some of us might have had a spirit experience that told them something very important So if we turn to the Gospel reading, in today's reading, Mark tells us what a dangerous thing it was to be a a spirit person in the time of Jesus. Herod had married his brother's wife and it was not done, it was not on, and John the Baptist said so. And despite that, Herod thought he was a very holy man and he liked to listen to him and he, he protected him because he thought he was worth protecting. But Herodias, the wife in question, would gladly have had him killed. And she managed it in this story. This new wife was a nasty piece of work. And when her daughter danced to delight the the king and his court, the king promised anything up to half the kingdom. Imagine that. That's some promise. And he'd done it on an oath in front of all these people, so he couldn't go back on it. Uh, And the daughter got the promise, and Mark tells this story in about four sentences. It's a remarkable story of such a, a, a terrible thing, and when the disciples heard about it, they came for the body and sadly took it away and buried John respectfully. And losing that losing John left a huge gap in the in in Galilee, in Palestine. And Jesus came to the fore immediately. He was there, he was ready, he was a spirit person, and he was on a mission to tell the people what their responsibilities are and to bring them back to God's remembrance. So there it is. That's the meaning of life. It's not 42 at all. It's a life lived up to God's standard. It's not very far away and it's not very difficult. It's a life lived gently and compassionately with consideration of other people, all other people, everybody. Even if they've come in as a Asylum seeker or a, a terrible people, footballer, and, and the, it's a life turned away from lies and gossip and meanness and fighting. It's not too difficult to understand, is it? It's not a difficult message, even for a bear of little brain like me simple but it's hard to do it and these other simple people these are the uh, spirit people the desert fathers and mothers told us little bits of important messages about the way we should live desert uh, mother amma sara said if i pray to god to be inspired to that everybody all people might be inspired because of me I would find myself repenting at every house door I would rather pray that my heart be pure towards everybody towards other people now there's a thought so uh, my message today is very simple Jesus lived a message, a life of wisdom and consideration and compassion and gentleness and real love as he walked about in Galilee so long ago, so far away. Let's follow him. Amen.